Welcome to Living With, a podcast about the stories and people behind Health Union. Health Union integrates the power of human connection and technology, uniting people in the shared experiences of life with chronic health conditions. I'm Emily Downward. This episode is part of our series featuring the 2022 Social Health Award winners. The Social Health Awards recognize and celebrate those individuals who are essential to the ongoing conversations and connections made through social health. The Creative Contributor Award recognizes the individuals taking a creative approach to raising awareness. Think about patient leaders transforming their advocacy into clothing, cards, jewelry shops, comic creation, and more. This category celebrates those bringing advocacy to the marketplace. Our Creative Contributor Award winner for 2022 is Erica Carrasco, a.k.a. Aki Smile. She and her husband, Stephen, guide their two young adult children, Marissa and Noah, through a life with chronic pain and neurological symptoms. With a candid and open dialogue, Erica is shining a light on a life with hemiplegic migraine. She and her husband share what their life is like and how important advocacy is to the migraine community. Aki Smile is a partner of the American Migraine Foundation and the Association of Migraine Disorders. Erica is also the Director of Marketing for Chronic Migraine Awareness, Inc., and makes migraine awareness t-shirts and gifts for those with neurological disorders at Aki Smile Shop. Welcome, Erica. Thank you. It's good to be here. Congratulations on winning this award. And what does winning this award mean to you? I have been participating in these awards for a while, um, you know, being nominated and voted for and, you know, rooting for myself and everyone rooting for me that, you know, nominated and oh, what is it? Voted. <laughs> I forget my words sometimes. So, um, but yeah, I've been kind of after it for a while. The first time I was nominated, I was really excited. I didn't even know it existed. So to win this time this year after I've, like, I've worked so hard on Aki Smile Shop over the years and to win the award made me feel really good, but it made me feel good because everybody out there wearing Aki Smile products to raise awareness, it just, I guess it validated the work I've put in because it's really hard living with a chronic condition and losing so much like career, I mean, friends, things like that and putting all my energy into the store it has really just given me purpose back again. Yeah. And so the award just kind of, I guess it helps to validate the, the work that I've put in and the people that support me. And where did you get come up with the name Achy Smile? So I had a doctor who suggested I journal, but I have a tech background. I was a cybersecurity consultant. And so I was like, I am not good with writing pen and paper. <laughs> So I was like, I'll start a blog. You know, that was that just seemed natural for me. So I started my blog and I sat maybe only 30 minutes trying to come up with a name and I'm always smiling. Like that is something people have always told me. Like you have such a big smile, you're always smiling. It's hard to tell when you're sad. <laughs> so I knew that achy smile was like the perfect name because it just basically summed up who I felt I was in that moment. So that's where it came from. I love that. And yeah, the name to me conjures up how when you live with a chronic condition, there's so much going on, but sometimes that's behind behind the smile. Not everybody might might right. realize what what's happening behind it. So tell me about your experience with hemiplegic migraine. When did it all start? 
Well, I had migraine without aura before I started having hemiplegic migraine. It wasn't until I was in a car accident that I started having these off-the-wall symptoms. The car accident was pretty bad. Um, I was bed rest for about a month, and I had really bad like back pain and neck pain and just getting headaches all the time. And then I started having these really weird symptoms, and they were just kind of like out of nowhere. I saw several doctors over the years. I was diagnosed with so many different conditions because it kind of mimicked them. The first condition I was diagnosed with was Bell's palsy because the side of my face drooped. But then when it didn't stop drooping over and over again, they were like, okay, it's not that. And then I went to a neurologist who diagnosed me with epilepsy. And after about a few months, they kind of removed that condition from uh, my list and went to rheumatoid arthritis because it also affected my left side on my muscles and things like that. So they were just kind of trying to like, where do I fit? And it was so difficult. And I had, I finally got a diagnosis of complex migraine, but that didn't really tell me anything. I was like, well, what is that? How do you treat that? And nobody really knew. They just, oh, it's complex migraine. You know, let's try all these medications. And so I've literally tried just about everything, almost. And so I finally saw a neurologist. I had traveled all over Texas. Um, trying to find answers, and they diagnosed me with hemiplegic migraine and uh, migraine with brainstem aura. And the two are very closely related. The only difference is one-sided weakness. And so I have the two types. I'll sometimes have the exact same kind of migraine, but without the weakness, and then I'll have them with the weakness. Um, but I also get severe pain. And because I have symptoms that are outside of the box, it also made it really difficult for neurologists to believe that that's what it was. I heard things like, oh, that's too rare. There's no way you have that. Um, some of them were like, you're too young. There's, there's just no way. It's psychological. And while I do believe that stress is a trigger, it, for, for many of us, it's not a cause. I mean, for all of us, it's not a cause. It's, it's a trigger. And so I just kept going, kept trying to find the doctor who understood what hemiplegic migraine was and what it can do to somebody. And I finally found that today. But... It took a really long time to get to that point. So it's been a really, really hard journey. So that achy smile name, it just fit the bill. <laughs> Absolutely. And it is so frustrating what you're describing and how you have to go to multiple doctors. And it takes a lot of perseverance and a lot of energy to keep doing that. Yeah, it's in the first place, you're mourning a loss, especially when you've put so much effort into your career and then you lose it because you become chronic. Um, but it's also a loss of just mental health, like your depression sets in, anxiety comes into place. And those are things I had never dealt with before. Um, a lot of it was due to how I was treated, like in the emergency rooms and things like that. And so now I have kind of like a medical PTSD just from experiences. And so I'll now get anxiety if I have to go to the emergency room. And that's not how it should be. Uh, but it's what it, we go through, a lot of us. Yeah. It's unfortunate, but, but hopefully advocacy is going to help for people in the future. Yes, yes. And when did your kids start experiencing migraine? So it's kind of, I mean, it's not funny, but I say it's funny. Um, my kids have a portion of the migraine that I go through. So I have hemiplegic migraine. My daughter has vestibular migraine, and I get vestibular symptoms with my migraine attacks. And then my son has retinal migraine and I get retinal migraine attacks. And so they kind of took piece of the pie, <laughs> one for each of them. Uh, my daughter actually started with abdominal migraine when she's about seven or eight years old. And so she would 
scream at the top of her lungs for a couple of hours because it hurt so bad. And then she'd vomit and they'd be like, nothing ever happened. <laughs> as soon as she vomited, she was just completely back to normal. So that was something that was terrifying. Um, we saw neurologists, even though I had lived with hemiplegic migraine for a while, it was still like, what is this? This is different than what I go through. And that abdominal migraine lasted until about puberty. And then after puberty, she had a year off. Like we thought she was over it. <laughs> um, but a year after that, it became um, hormonal migraine for her. And so now she, and it, the hormonal migraine was vestibular migraine. So it was, it came along with her, uh, her period. So with that, she would get vestibular migraine to this day. Um, but luckily now she's learned her triggers. Um, she's not on a preventative, but she does have a, a rescue medication. And so she's in college and she's getting, getting through. She only has like a few a year. So we're lucky there. <laughs> And hope that it stays that way for a while. Um, my son, he started getting his in about 11th grade, uh, the very beginning, like that summer before 11th grade. And it started with his eye. And he was just like, mom, my eyeball hurts so bad. And I like, I knew because I get those too. And I was like, oh. like your heart just breaks. Like my heart was broken because he said to me one day, he was in pain and really upset. And he looked at me and he's like, no offense, mom, but I don't want to be like you. Oh. And I was like, I don't want you to be like me either. He was like, and then he said, like, I'm going to cry. <laughs> and then he said, how am I going to take care of a family if I have this all the time? And I, I was, I started crying. I was like, I don't mean to cry. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, I was like, but I was just, those are the things you don't want to hear as a mom with, with the condition because it's, you feel like it's your fault. And I know that it's not, it's genetic but you can't help feel so hopeless in those moments. What I am proud of though, is in my work in advocacy over the years, I've learned so much. You know, we set up a 504 plan for them in high school. Um, when he went to college, we set up the, in the um, accessibility office. We set him up there his first year of college. He's doing it this year to second year. He's going without it this year to see how it goes. <laughs> Um, but to know that he can speak up for himself now and advocate for himself, it makes me feel really good. And he's done his own advocacy talks himself with like Retreat Migraine and, and different videos um, with other, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Organizations. <laughs> um, his own work with his other organizations. My daughter's a little more shy, so she doesn't do things like that, but she will wear you know, like a migraine shirt out in public and she'll put the hats on and she has stickers all over her stuff. So that's her way of advocating for herself. So it just, it's just like moved into these spaces that they have found their place. And I'm really proud of them for where, they, where they're at today, despite what they're living through. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I love how you shared that advocacy can look different depending on the person. And, right. and there's a way to do it that is comfortable for you. Right, exactly. I have a lot of people that message me. Um, they're like, I don't really talk to people. I'm kind of shy, but then they'll see my t-shirt and they'll come up to me and ask me questions. And then I open up. They're like, because I'm comfortable about that topic, <laughs> but I'm just shy naturally. So I don't have to start the conversation because the t-shirt basically does it for them. And that makes me feel really good that I can kind of 
help people find their power within themselves to advocate for themselves and to help someone else who understands but doesn't have someone to talk to. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Why is advocacy so important for migraine? Oh, man, it's so difficult. Migraine is considered a woman's disease, and it has been for many years, even though there's so many men with migraine, my son included. Um, but because it's seen as a woman's disease, it's given less respect. It's given less respect in the medical field, you know, secondhand knowledge that from doctors that I've talked to and listened to, they even have a stigma around them as being headache specialists. I know a lot of people in the migraine community feel like the word headache undermines what we go through with migraine. Headache is a part of it, it's a symptom, but migraine is a complete neurological condition and it can affect pretty much every system in your body in some sort of way, depending on the type you have. So people don't understand and they'll see what they have watched on TV, what they've read in books. Oh, I have a headache. I don't want to do the dishes. I have a headache or things like that. And for those of us who really can't do the dishes because we have a migraine or a really bad headache, like cluster headaches, those are, in, those are terrible. Um, they call them suicide headaches for a reason. And so when people undermine the word headache or migraine, it, it makes us feel like, we're going crazy because maybe we're not the people will say we're, we're lying and um, we're making it up we want we want attention um, i've been told that personally by people close to me and so it, it wasn't until they experienced the same type of pain that they understood where i was coming from and it's just really sad that people have to experience it to understand and there's so many people out there who don't understand empathy and that's what it takes to care for someone with the condition and you know my husband doesn't mind me saying this, but he was part of that. He was one of those people who didn't have empathy and he learned empathy over time. And now he gets it completely because he has seen what I've gone through. But in the beginning, he always told me like, you just don't want to do things or you're exaggerating or, you know, you don't want to wash the dishes. <laughs> yeah, he was, those are the examples I'm using. because those are the things I've been told. Um, and so he has come so far and understanding and now he's like my biggest advocate he will talk about everything to everybody who asks him questions and it was hard it was really tough you know we struggled in our marriage because of that and so many people get divorced because their kid or their husband their partner doesn't understand migraine or headache and they feel like they're taking advantage of them and it's nothing like that i'm glad that you've you've taught him well and now he's come along and he's your <laughs> biggest advocate yeah, had he not put in the effort to learn and to understand, then he probably would not be married today. <laughs> but he did, and I was lucky. It definitely impacts the whole family. Not just with the genetics, but just like you're talking about, it, it impacts all of your relationships. Yes. My attacks are scary to witness. It looks like a stroke. And so, and also I have a component to where I have non-epileptic seizures with mine when my pain gets too high. Um, so then it also looks like seizure. So when people witness that, they don't know what to think or what to do and they wanna call and take me to the hospital and things like that. And so it's been tough. I've been taking the emergency room a few times because I couldn't communicate. Um, I get to the point where I can't speak at all. And, and sometimes I can't like, I don't understand what's happening around me, so I get a lot of confusion. So it's been tricky. 
but we've we're a team we've navigated what to ha what's happened and things like that my kids know what to do but if i'm ever by myself i now have a little card i carry that i created and it helps to tell people what to do in a situation like that so how did you decide to use your creativity with your advocacy for a long time, I've always been creative. I've, I'm a self-taught graphic designer. So I always created like business cards and websites and things like that for people for as long as I can remember, early 20s. And so as I got older, my sister and I actually sold like t-shirts and tutus and things like that at fairs and places like that. Um, so I already had that experience of creating things and selling them. When I lost my, my last job, I didn't know what to do with myself. And so I went back to school to be a programmer because that was my field, you know, was in that type of field. So I went back to school for a year and I had to medically withdraw because I had a severe past and it took months to recover. And I couldn't, I couldn't make a program that worked. It was horrible. <laughs> so I withdrew from school. And I was like, what am I gonna do myself? I was going through a very deep depression. It was scary. And that's kind of when Achy Smile started the blog. And a year later, I was approached by a company that wanted to use me in one of their campaigns. And so I was in a migraine campaign for the first time. And then my blog started to become more popular because now I'm like in these advertisements. <laughs> and over time, I was just like, I've got to make money because I'm not working. And I was the breadwinner. And my husband stayed home with the kids, so he didn't have a career. When I got really sick, he decided to go into the military because he really didn't know what else to do. And he didn't have training in anything. He was a musician. <laughs> and so he was like, what am I going to do with that? So he joined the military as a musician. <laughs> and when he got out, he went back to school. Well, in that time period, I was like, how can I make money? Because I don't know how to... I couldn't work for anyone nine to five, eight to five. I would get the job and then I'd be like, oh, and that's kind of because I couldn't maintain an everyday presence. I was calling out several times a month <laughs> and that's not, you know, that's not, that doesn't work for the business world really at that time, especially before virtual started up. So I started just making t-shirts and I started with t-shirts only. And then eventually I started adding a different design and then a different design. And then I was hooked. And so I was like, what else can I put on the shop? You know, and that's what I, ha that's what I did. Now, I mean, I'm not getting rich or anything, <laughs> but it's funny. I do other things to help me pay for things to put in the shop. So the shop is kind of like my project, but I also am a promotional products distributor. And so my work with that, I use to fund my shop. And so that's how I've been doing it um, this whole time. So I have helped out our family in the, in the smallest way possible, but it was also in a really big way too, because it kept us from, to keep our car, to get dinner sometimes, to put gas in the car. And it just really helped us out a lot. Yeah, what I'm hearing too is it's not just your creativity in creating these products, but it's your creativity in, in finding ways to keep, keep yourself busy and give yourself a mission. Right. Um, yes. Help your family and then then it's the advocacy part, like you mentioned before, like creating these products and allows people to have a way to show their support. Yeah, I get online and I go on TikTok or I go on Instagram and I'm like, I know I could be making other things and be making a lot of money probably like all these people do right online. 
but my passion is in the advocacy because it's become that it wasn't that before i didn't even know what advocacy was before it just took time for me to find my place where i am at today if there was one thing you had known at the beginning of your journey that you could tell to someone who's newly diagnosed now what would that be i would say when your doctor tells you that you just need to see a psychologist because it's psychological in nature make the appointment but don't believe what he said because stress is a trigger and that is a psychological component but it's not the cause of their migraines so when you do see the psychologist or the therapist or whoever whoever it is you see to take care of that psychological component um, you find that living with a chronic condition even if it's not chronic it is really hard to to keep everything in line um, your whole life you have to manage around your condition and so when I started seeing a psychiatrist years after my diagnosis, because I was 100% against psychology in that beginning, they, that made me that way because they kept telling me it was psychological and I knew that it wasn't because I know my body. And so I fought it for so long. And then after time went by, I realized that stress, especially money stress and having kids and being a wife, and also feeling like I can't do any of those things right <laughs> because of my condition. Um, I decided to go to the psychiatrist or therapist actually and just talk about it. And that's when I learned that, yeah, I probably should have gone in the first place because I could have mitigated stress as a trigger by learning the coping skills to get through that. Not that they'll be gone, not that they're mitigated, but that I could get through them and they wouldn't become as bad as they would without those tools in place. And so that has been really key to helping me get through attacks sometimes when it is triggered by stress. And now I know what I can do for myself to keep me out of the emergency room and to keep me upright out of bed. Um, I'll still have symptoms, but they're tolerable. And that's where I'm trying to be all the time. So that's what I suggest. Definitely go, even though maybe the doctor's telling you for the wrong reasons, but it's still a good idea to go see somebody. Yeah, I love that advice. Like, go and get the help. There's fantastic stress management tools that they can teach you and right. listen to your body and you know yourself and, and keep, keep believing yourself. Yeah. It takes a long time to get to that point, but that's because nobody told me those things. <laughs> that's why it's important that they hear it now for sure. Erica, it's been so lovely to chat with you. Thank you for your time and congratulations again on winning this award. Thank you. I'm so excited. And Emily's been awesome. Thanks for asking all those questions. They were really good. And I'm glad I got to express those things to people who maybe haven't heard of you before. You can find Erica online at achysmile.com and on Instagram and Facebook at Achy Smile Blog and Achy Smile Shop. Health Union is the leader in social health with 41 condition-specific online communities and the Social Health Network, which encompasses more than 100,000 patient leaders covering nearly every health condition. You can learn more at health-union.com. Thank you for listening to Living With. I'm Emily Downward. <laughs>